Good morning, Identity Church. I hope you've had a great week. I know I have. You know, one of the things that, that makes a great week is that even if there's problems in your week, you still turn back to Jesus. You know, we're, we're in what I call my uptime of the year. Um, I do cybersecurity for a living, and I'm putting on a national tabletop. I was a part of a whole bunch of groups that put together this tabletop. Now I've got to get Southern Company to do it. And if you go out and find anybody and tell them, hey, I want you to dedicate a lot of time and a lot of effort, and it's only going to be for two days, do you know what you get back? <laughs> you get back, uh, yeah, well, I'll get back to you on that. Do you know that, that in my own life, I've done that to other people? So maybe I'm reaping what I sow. But I do this every single, like, every single year I go out and I do this. And you know, the Lord just told me, just have peace. I'll work it out. Just have peace. I'll work it out. Hey, Mom, won't you bring the, the lights up during the thing? Because so, I have a feeling some folks will want to see the scriptures, make sure I'm not messing with them, right? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you some scripture today and you're going to be like, man i got to go back and see if that's true because it's going to be good. But you know, one of the things that, that the Lord kept putting on my heart this week was just have peace. Just have peace. And so as a part of what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, we've been talking about blessed are us. Because we have promises. We have these things that God has put in us and how they have created in us the ability for us to have peace and joy and goodness and long-suffering. You know, when people aren't doing what you think they need to be doing, you need a little long-suffering. You know, I always thought it was kind of funny because we'll go to 1 Corinthians and it'll tell us about all the, you know, you know basically um, all the things love is. And you know, kindness is patience. Sometimes we just need to be kind to people because we're just patient. You know, when somebody's not doing what you think they need to do or you want to jump in there, I mean, Steve, I was, I was saying this the other day or just before the thing. Steve helped us put these lights in. He's like a saint. He didn't cuss or anything when something would go wrong. And, you know, one of the things that was so awesome was Steve was actually teaching us as we was going along. You know, I'd be up there and I'd be trying to sabotage it the whole time. And Steve would go, no, 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 let's, let's work through this. Do you know that, that having kindness and patience is a beauty? It causes us to, it causes us when we practice those things, people go, there's something about that guy. You know, a lot of times we think to ourselves, well, those, pay, those people are gracious. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, that person's so gracious? You know what's funny to me is the word grace actually means your promises. It's the gifts of God that was given unto us. The whole word charis. And we're going to see this word here in a few minutes. But what I wanted you to know is that charis means grace in the Greek. And that... That basically when we're being gracious, we, we're being the people that other people want to be like. I mean, I've known lots of people who were gracious to me. And I strive to be like them. I, I try to emulate them. In fact, Paul actually says, mark those. Look, look towards those people and put a mark on them and say, hey, I'm going I'm to watch that person because they were gracious to me. So as we've been talking through this, you know, we, you are blessed series, we've talked about this whole thing about blessings being our, uh, our blessings are our promises. Our blessings are the things that we have and we should be eulogizing those because that's what blessed means is eulogos means that we are supposed to speak, not just you're blessed, sister. You're blessed, brother. But we need to tell people about what they're blessed with. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit about some eulogies for people. We're going to talk about prophecy. Oh, man. 
Y'all ready for some Holy Ghost prophecy we're going to get down here? You know, a lot of times people think, well, when we're going to have a prophecy surface, you know, you'll get into, you'll get into, you know, um, you'll get into Pentecostal circles and they'll have prophecy services. I've been in some and I've been uh, prophesied uh, correctly and I've also been prophesied completely wrongly as well. I've been told everything from, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a multimillionaire to I'm going to be someone that is going to be, you know, in the ministry. Well, there's some stuff coming to pass, and maybe I will be a multimillionaire one day. Maybe they were talking about maybe my, my you know, 401K is going to get really big one day. I don't know. But one of the things that I look at is the fact that when we prophesy to people, the word prophecy is in the Greek says to foretell events, divine, or to speak under inspiration. Now, I will tell you, we can sit here and we can have a word from the Lord. We can make it really big and woo, that was God. But let me tell you, prophecy is also speaking under inspiration. You know, I had a, a friend of mine and, and, and he, he would constantly send me stuff. He would say, I'm praying for you and I'm going to send you a scripture and I'm going to send you something to encourage you. Do you know that guy prophesied it to me? It changed my day. You know that prophecy doesn't have to be, you know, four words from different people and all this other stuff. Prophecy can be divine inspiration that God gives any one of you about me or anyone else. And we just obey the Lord and go to Him and say, The Lord wants you to know this today, that He loves you. I'll tell you, this happened to me. Some of y'all probably have heard this. Some of you haven't. I tell this story a lot. So if, if you heard it, just you know, give me an amen at the end of it too. But I was at a Starbucks over in Gardendale. I used to go there all the time before the pandemic. In fact, I saved a ton of money by not going to Starbucks. But one morning, I'm in Starbucks. I'm getting my coffee. I'm sitting there and I've been praying a lot about, you know, Lord, what is it that you want me to do next? What is it that you want? How do I speak to people? How do I bless people? And I'm sitting there, I'm stirring my coffee, looking at the, you know, and you got all the condiments and all this stuff that's right there. There's a girl that came up right beside me. She gets all the stuff, she puts it in there. I'm not paying her any attention. And I hear, go tell her that she's my daughter and that I love her. And I go, huh? What? And I hear the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord. And see, if you've never heard the Spirit of the Lord, you have. It's called that, that inner voice that just says, hey, go do this. Some people say it's your conscience. But really, it's the Holy Spirit. He's constantly talking to each and every one of us. Well, anyway, I, I'm sitting there, and I didn't obey the Lord right then. Okay, I did like I could have like said this to her right then, but no, she gets her coffee, runs out, goes get in her car, and I'm like, if I'm gonna obey the Lord, I better do it right now. So I go running outside, grabbed up all my stuff, and I knock on her window, and she goes, ah! like you know, big, you know, giant guy outside the window, and I'm like, hey, it's okay. And she cracks the window like that, which was probably a good thing. I mean, no one knew me. I, you know, I did have, you know, I did, I didn't look like I'd been, you know, sleeping outside for three days or something. But, you know, she was being cautious. And I said, hey, the Lord told me to tell you that you're his daughter and that he loves you. And she broke down crying. She broke down crying. And I'm sitting there going, what is going on? And she told me, she said, this was going to be my last meal. I was going, and she, she pulled pills. She said, I was going to go kill myself. She said, I was just trying to find a place to go. I was going to eat my meal. I was going to go find a place, and I was going to kill myself. Do you know that if I had not done that, 
and she had killed herself, you know, the Lord wouldn't have been mad at me. But I would have missed an opportunity. Now, that's very extreme. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. That's extreme. That's only happened to me one time. I'm not going to tell you that that happens to me every day. I don't go walking around and God says, hey, this person's going to go kill themselves. That is not the way it happened. And that doesn't happen to me every day. But do you know that by divine inspiration, I've sent people texts. I've called them on the phone. And they weren't going to go do anything harmful to themselves. But maybe they were having a low part of their day. You know, the Lord was basically saying to me to go eulogize this woman. Go tell her about the benefits of being a daughter of God. You know, in 1 Corinthians 14.1, I'm going to kind of bounce around here for just a second. In 14.1 it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. You think to myself, well, we're about to have a prophecy service. Woo! It's going to be awesome. I'm going to tell somebody about their future. No, you're going to tell somebody about their benefits. See, that's so much better than telling them about their future. Because I can sit here and I can try to tell you what your future is. And I'm probably going to get it wrong. And let me tell you why. It's because you still have a part to play in that. But if I tell you about your benefits, and see, that's what's important here is because your benefits set your future. Your benefits are what makes your future come to pass. Because without your benefits, you may not do the things that you were supposed to do. You know, when I was was deciding that I wasn't going to just do praise and worship and youth, and I was going to go to Bible school, and I was going to do all these things. The Lord started putting on my heart to go do it, and I was like, no, I, I, I don't really know. If, I mean, Lord, why would you want me to do this? I have a master's degree in computer engineering. Why do you want me to go and do this? There's plenty of people out here that can go and do these things. You know, and the Lord said, are you going to do it or not? You know, the Lord's pretty blunt with me. I mean, a little bit like Dad. Back when I was a kid, I'd go, I don't want to go cut the grass. And he'd go, no, you're going to go it right now or you're going to have a sore rear end. Do you know that, that the Lord is going to sit there and go, you can do this or not, but it's going to affect you. And guess what? I'm going to have to call someone in your place. I'm going to have to go and do something in your place. And so what I want you to understand is that the Lord God Almighty is trying to espouse your benefits to you so that you can have something go through you. And let's skip down a couple verses to 1 Corinthians 14, 24, and 25. It says, But all prophecy, but if all prophesy, I'm sorry, if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in. So talking about the church, So if I have people in here in the church, and let's just say for an example, people aren't informed of their benefits, okay? So I come in here and um, let's just say for example, Heather doesn't know about her benefits in God. Well, let's just say this. If I prophesy to her, because that's what this is saying, then by all, I can be convinced. But I also can be convicted do you know that I was convicted by Jason Gamble? He's a, he's a friend of mine. When I was telling him, I was like, you know, I, I really don't want to go to Bible school. And it was because it was, I was scared. Jason Gamble come up to me and said, well, what did the Lord tell you? Then? I said, well, I feel like I'm supposed to go. And he said, he basically said, well, then you're just going to sin, aren't you? <laughs> and I went, I guess if I don't do what I know that I'm supposed to do, then I'm going to sin, right? So he said, he said, then go. What's it going to hurt? You know you can do it. Go do it. And so I was convicted. You know, that's good. We need to sometimes have some conviction about something. You know, that word goes both ways. Sometimes I get convicted and it's like, oh, I sinned. 
But sometimes it's I'm convicted and I need to stand for something because no one else is. You know, we live in a country where we need to have some conviction sometimes to stand when no one else will stand, even if we go to jail, even if we die. See, conviction is not just about sin. It's about I need to stand for something. And see, this is what this is saying is sometimes I need somebody that can prophesy to me and say, your benefit in God is going to be to preach to others. Well, that was my benefit. God was convicting me of it. So some other people come along and said, hey, I'm going to kick you in the pants and we're going to kick you down this road. That's what prophecy is. See, it's not... I gotta get the music just right, and we gotta have all these things. If I am praying for Heather and I go and I and I talk to Heather and I get convicted to go and talk to Heather about something, then guess what? I can I can actually sit here and say, I can prophesy and help her down her road with the benefits that God is trying to get to her. See, prophecy now becomes manifested in you, through you, to someone else. They can have the fruit of the Spirit. They can have the things that are, that are coming to them by the Holy Spirit. See, prophecy doesn't have to be all the things that, we, that we've attached to them. Prophecy has to be you being led by the Holy Spirit to say what you're supposed to say and to be to other people the Word. Because sometimes I just need to go, did I hear it right? Did I hear it right? You know, sometimes I just ask the Lord. I said, give it to me again. I need to hear it again. Because I don't know. I mean, are you about to put me on a road that I don't know if I want to go down? You need to ask, ask those questions. Because our benefits in the Lord, they come with a price. They come with a price because every time God gives you a benefit, every time He does it, He says, I want you to use it. You know what? An unused benefit, it would be kind of like right now if I went out there and I got an insurance form. And at the end of it, I got my money back, right? And it had been compounding all this time. And when I, at the end of the 20 or 25 years, I just said, you know what, I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to tell my family about it. I'm not going to do anything. Well, let's just say I'm 80 years old. It dies. That money's sitting in some account. That benefit unused is going to sit there and go back to the state, which is a sin. Okay? If the government gets your money, it's a sin. I'm going to be honest with you. If you don't believe that, then you can be the first one to write the check, okay? But... That is what you need to understand is that a benefit unused is a sin. We need to go and dig out all the benefits that God's putting in us and use them in our lives and use them for other people. And it says that if we, that if we convince by all and he is convicted by all, so this person, and thus the secrets of his heart is revealed. It means that I was sitting there going, Lord, I don't know about this. And then Jason Gamble comes up and says, yes, you need to go do this. The secret of my heart was that I really wanted to do this. But I thought, I'm too old. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money, maybe. Whatever it is. And you know what? All of those things got taken care of. Because the moment I said yes... The money came, the time came. I mean, my wife worked double time to make sure that our house was being taken care of, that people were being taken care of. And I went through that. And we went on a whirlwind. I mean, she's a saint too. She didn't cuss when I went and told her about this. Okay? So you and Steve, y'all got a place in heaven. I'm going to tell you what. Y'all got the halos going on here. But I want you to understand that sometimes... We have to do this in a way that, you know, when our heart is revealed, because it says, and so, falling down on his face, 
he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. This right here gives you the opportunity if you are eulogizing someone to see true change in their life. You know, I've never seen true change in anybody's life just by having a, just by having a, a you know, here's, here's some word. Here, here's, here's the Bible. But I have had it where the word that started as a benefit, oh, I, I took my benefits. Now I apply those benefits to my heart. And now all of that starts to produce fruit in my life. See, it's like a seed. Once I plant the benefit into my heart, it grows. And, and now the fruit of those trees, I see, I've seen it in minutes. I've seen it in years. Guess what? Fruit in minutes is a whole lot better than fruit in years. But sometimes we have to dig those things out of our heart. Because it says right here that he had, I mean, he went in there with a backhoe and dug this rock out of his heart. And then now it produced, oh, I'm on my face, Lord, I am ready. My heart is revealed. I know that I'm supposed to be doing this. See, a lot of times we think of this unbeliever as someone who is unsaved. But the word unbeliever just means I don't believe. Now, it doesn't mean I don't believe in Jesus. It means that I don't believe that there's any benefits in God. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a new concept to everybody. But years ago, I sat there and said, an unbeliever is not just someone who is who's unsaved, but basically they just don't believe something about God to be true. You know, there's plenty of people who believe in God. And you'll go talk to atheists and you'll catch them in their little lie. Because what will, what will happen is, is they will come back and they'll go, well, you know, if God was so good, then why? And then I go, well, you're just mad at God. Something happened, you, you don't like it. And they're like, well, I'm not mad at God. Well, no, you're mad at God. God didn't do something you thought He should do. He thought that when your friend that committed suicide that he shouldn't have done that. Well, if God was to change physics for you, if he was to go change someone's will and say, by golly, I am not going to allow you to do this thing, he wouldn't be a good God. It's just truth. Say again. He would be him. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say what I, just came into my head. Okay, it had let's go on the front of it. But anyway, um, the the thing that I want you to understand is that sometimes we need to be able to take these opportunities with people, prophesy to them, because they're the only God that they're gonna listen to. You know that the God coming out of you, your, the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you, is the only God some people actually listen to. Because the one on the inside of them that's sitting there talking, going, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, or go do it, go do it, go do it, they're not listening to it. I've been there. I've been there where I go, hey, I'm not going to listen to God. Or I'm not going to listen to whatever I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. And God will send somebody else. You know that that's how good God is. But we have to be willing to be one that is sent, like a messenger, to do this. Also, find your sandpaper person. You know, I've got a, it's a roll of sandpaper uh, over toilet paper here. You know, a sandpaper person is someone who is tough to deal with, and they rub you the wrong way. How many people have had a sandpaper person in their life? Every hand should go up, okay? Because... There are always people that are going to be opposite of you. It doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means that y'all are like oil and water. Y'all are not going to mix. And you know what? God still says that there is something that you can have with them. You know, some of my sandpaper people, I, it, they didn't stop being my sandpaper person. But God has in time said, hey, go and talk to them about stuff. And I go, I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't want to go talk to them about Jesus because I know what they're going to say to me, Lord. I don't want to talk <clears throat> to them about their benefits 
or I don't want to go and pray with them about a situation that happened in their family because they've been mean to me. How many people's had somebody that's been mean to them and the Lord said, go and when something bad happened, go and talk to them? Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that I will say about this is, is that most of my meaningful times that I have had sandpaper person discussions has been when they have had problems in their family. They've had problems in their job. They've had problems somewhere else. And you know what? And every once in a while, you get some fruit. You get some change. I've got one person that's kind of like my sandpaper person. He goes from being my best friend to being my worst enemy, like overnight at work. And what happens is, is I sit there and I, I, the Lord just tells me, just be kind. Talk to them. And you know what? The longer that's happened, we don't roller coaster as much. We don't go through the good times and the bad times and the good times and the bad times. We kind of stay in the middle. It's not great, but it's not bad at all. You know, most of it has been because when there's a problem in their family, I've prayed with them. When there's a problem in the job, I've prayed with them. When there's times and seasons where they're having a bad time, I've talked to them. And you know what? That's just the way that we're supposed to eulogize. We're supposed to bless others even though we don't like them. It's tough. I know. I'm telling you something you don't want to hear. But you know what? You can do this. You know what? One of the things that I think is pretty awesome is that divine inspiration when the Holy Spirit says, yeah, go talk to them. And you go, oh, I just don't want to do it. You know, all we sometimes have to do is just speak life. You know, speaking life is nothing more than, you know what? You can do this. God does have a plan for your life. Do you know that even the most drugged out, crazy people on the planet, you could walk up to them right now and say, God has a plan for your life because He does. That's a, that's a truth. I'm not trying to, to pump you up and make you pray for eight hours to get a word for, for someone. You literally could walk up to anyone and say, God loves you. That's speaking life. When somebody says, it's bad. We're going down. You go, no. God's going to work it out. You know, this week, I actually had a couple of times where I was saying, it's bad. We're going down. And you know what Heather did? And it really made me angry. She would go, she'd go, you know what? I really believe the Lord is going to work it out. And, and he, she's talking to me and praying over me and doing all this kind of stuff. And I'm going, but you know what? I wanted my pity party. And you didn't let me have it. It was really, 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 you know, frustrating. But you know what? After 15 or 20 minutes, she was right. And I said, you're right. And I got back on board. You know, we're all moving forward in life. Some of us are being drug. And some of, them, some of us are riding on the side of, of this train of life. Some people are on top. But you know what? You can actually say yes, get an agreement, and there's a seat on the inside. It's air-conditioned, it's heated, and you just get to ride this thing of life because God's going to constantly be putting a plan in your heart. So we can speak life. You know, this may be the only life that anybody sees, and sometimes people can't hear God's voice because they're just tired. They need somebody to lift them up out of the mire. And you know, God is so good. God is so good. I mean, He is so amazing that He just didn't say, you know what, I'm just going to have the Holy Spirit do this. I'm going to have the Holy Spirit preach the gospel. Because that would be really easy for us. No, He said, I want you to do it. And I want you to work with the Holy Spirit because I want you to be a part of this thing. That's what a good father does. A good father says, I'm going to show you how to do it. A good father doesn't say, you know what, I'll just do it for you. Just go back to bed. You know, that's what I wanted my dad to do when I was a kid. 
I wanted to stay up all night long. I wanted to go, Dad, can you cut the grass and work on my brakes and do all this other stuff? And Dad would go, no, get your butt out of bed, cut the grass, we're going to work on your brakes. All right? And then we would tear it up, we would go back, buy some more parts, and then we would come back and we put it together. That's how it works, okay? And see, we sometimes learn as we're going. So don't think that you have to know every single thing. You know, when we eulogize our sandpaper people, you know, Matthew 5, 43 and 46, through 46 basically gives us the ability to see how you can do it in a way that's pretty awesome. It says, you heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and use you and persecute you. This word blessed is to eulogize. See, if somebody's trying to abuse you, use you, do something like that, you still take them back to the promises. It didn't say that you had to stay around forever. It just says, you know what? Somebody's trying to abuse me or use me. And I'm going to tell you a quick story. Y'all want to hear something that happened that, and, you know, I was ticked this week. Me and Dad were putting garbage out here. If you go out there and look at our garbage bin, it is stacked up four or five feet above the thing. So Dad and I are sitting there, and I'm like, man, I'm now going to have to lock this thing. The garbage people aren't going to come until Tuesday. I can't even use the garbage container that we've got out there. And so Dad and I are trying to put everything back. We look through, and there's Amazon boxes with names and labels on it. And it was all one. And the Lord said, the Lord said to me, you know this person or you know someone that has, that, that knows this person. And so I went home and I was, I was looking and I started looking this person up and sure enough on Facebook, a minister friend of mine in Gardendale is a friends with this guy on Facebook. So I sent a bunch of messages to him just kind of like, and every time I would type what I wanted to say, I would, the Lord would go, no, take that out. Tell them the facts. So I asked questions about this person. And they said, well, you know, he seems to be an okay guy. I don't know him that well, whatever. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to go look up county court records because I had his address. Sure enough, it's the same guy. So before I went and accused him, you know, well, I sent this guy a... I sent this guy a messenger on Facebook. And I said, hey, and I was, every time I would type something, the Lord would say, take it off, go back. And I just told him, I said, hey, you know, my, I'm with pastor of Identity Church. I had, you know, our, <laughs> all these boxes that have your name on it are in my, are in my bin. And you know, the problem that I have is, number one, I can't get anything in my bin, but number two, the boxes were crammed around the sides. And I left it at that. And I thought to myself, this guy's either not going to reply to me or he's going to come back and have a snide remark. And Lord, when he has a snide remark, I'm going to let him have it. <laughs> I'm going to let him know what he has done. And this is a church. And by God, you know, you don't, you don't do this to a church. Well, the guy comes back and he says, oh, no. And I'd taken a picture of the box and I'd sent it on the messenger. He comes back to me and he says, yes, that's my box. He said, I don't have a truck and I hired a guy that has done work for me before. He, he, he told me he was going to take this to the dump. So I was sitting there and I was going, I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> I don't know if I believe you. You know what the Lord told me to do? He said, be gracious. He said, be gracious to this person. This guy's a minister at a Baptist church over here in uh, Helena. And I was, and you know, the first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to say, because he said, how can I make it right? I said, come get the boxes. He goes, I don't have a truck. 
So I told him, I said, don't worry about it. I'll call Republic tomorrow. We'll see what we can do. So I called Republic. They're going to come out on Tuesday. Hopefully, they're going to pick everything up. But my whole point is, is that I had the opportunity with someone who was what I consider to be an enemy for, for quite some time. I mean, I, that whole evening, you can ask Heather, I was like, well, this is just, you know, people hate us and, uh, you know, we're a new church and, you know, we're really trying to make things right and we're trying to do everything. And the Lord and Heather, both, Heather was eulogizing me and she was going, it's going to be fine. It's just garbage. We'll get done. We'll get it done. Do you know that that I was gracious to this guy and I talked to him and, you know, he just kept coming back and apologizing and apologizing and apologizing. Whether he did it or not or it actually was the way that he said it, it doesn't matter. Because out of all this, this guy and I had a connection and I told the guy, I said, you know, and he said, you know what, you are you are being so gracious. I can show you the text. I can show you the messenger. You're being so gracious about this. I probably would not have been. And he goes, and we've had this problem at our church where people have come and done the dumpster and dash type thing, right? So do you know that the one thing about that was when that I went back and looked at it, that was more to minister to me than it was to anybody else. And you might be saying, well, how did that minister to you? Do you know that I'm stronger now? If something small like this happens, the first thing that I'm probably not going to do from now on is go, by God, everybody hates me and, you know, oh, we're, you know, we're really going down and everything. No, this was a, a moment that the Lord has been using my heart to say, you know what, I can be gracious even when people do me wrong. Sometimes we need those lessons. We need those lessons, and then we need them again later. And then we need them again later. Because we're not just going to get it once. Because people are going to be mischievous and do things to you. And you sometimes have to have a reminder that, can I be, can I be mad or can I be gracious? And see, the Lord is basically telling us today, through these scriptures... You know, it says in verse 45 that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good and send rain on the just and the unjust. Do you know that when I go out and I'm gracious to others and I start eulogizing others, even when they've done me wrong, do you know that I now get to show my sonship? you know that that's for you? To be a son and a daughter and to be able to stand strong and go, you know that after I got through with all that and the Lord really helped me and everything, I felt like I was a son. You know, sometimes after you've been corrected, you go, I, Dad was being merciful to me. Because he could have said, well, just go blow up on him. It doesn't matter. But the Holy Spirit kept telling me, no, 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 we're going to take this one step at a time, whether you believe people or not. You know, sometimes just being a son shows your sonship. This person that is in some other church, he now believes, and, and he told me, he said, he goes, I will tell you what, I feel like I have more of an ally, someone here in Alabaster. And he started giving me his background not sure I wanted it, but he gave it to me. And he's from the same areas that we are, up north of Birmingham. And I thought to myself, you know, I could have been, you know, a you-know-what. And I could have burned bridges. And I could have created obstacles. And I could have been that, that, well, that crazy uh, egomaniacal pastor that's over there at Identity Church that... You know, somebody does a dumpster and dash and he goes off on me on social media and then he takes my what I say and he throws it back on social media and then the next thing you know is that I'm the, you know, I'm on some, you know, message board somewhere here in Alabaster that says don't ever go to Identity Church. 
That's not why I did that. But sometimes just saying, you know what, I'm a son of the living God. You're a daughter and a son of the living God. And I'm just going to act right. I'm going to act like I'm the son of the living God. Now I have favor where I might have had, you know, strife and envy and anger. And this is where it really gets good, okay? If it hasn't been good so far, it's going to get good. Let me just tell you. In verse 46 here of Matthew chapter 5, it says, For if you love those who love you, what reward? This word reward here is pay for a service or earn a wage. So it says here, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. So I want you to understand this, that people who do favors for each other, you know, a tax collector doesn't earn anything. A tax collector, the IRS, if you work for the IRS, you're listening to this, I'm not making fun of you. But you don't actually earn anything that you created. You're making money off of what I created. You're making money off of somebody else's money. So what they would do, back in these days especially, it's not supposed to happen here, but I think that you know when you start seeing things in Congress and in the House, and these people make a lot of money, somehow they're not taxed as much as we are. But I won't even get into that. But the tax collectors would do favors for people who had power or had influence. And see, that's what I'm trying to say here is that God does not want you to give benefits only to those who have power and influence. He wants you to give the benefits to everyone so that you can have relationship. In fact, I even put down here, I've got Fred Sanford. You so ugly, your parents had to tie a stake around your neck so the dogs would play with you. You know what? The gospel was created in the benefits of God so that people would hang out with you. No, that's not true. No, uh, it was created so that people would hear the gospel, though. You know, I may not get a friend at all by giving them the gospel, but I will see that people have benefits and their benefits will grow. Sometimes I plant a seed in someone and they don't like me, but that seed still remains. Years later, somebody waters it, there's more benefits, there's more added to it, and then they get saved. And I've heard of people go walking up, go find people that I've worked with in the past that I've given the gospel to them. They made fun of me or they said whatever they were going to say. And then years later, they grew up a little bit. And so they're, I want to go out and drink and party and Dusty, you're, you're killing my Bob. Well, now they're older and they're like, you know what? Some of our conversations I actually took. I remember that. <coughs> Excuse me. So what I want you to understand is that, is that sometimes you're going to get the stick rather than the carrot when you give people their benefits. They're not going to like what you have to say. If you walked up to somebody and said, you know what, you can, you can have health, you can have joy, you can have peace, you can prosper in God, there's going to be people that go, well, brother, I've lived this life all my life, and I've only gotten heartache and pain. And I want to go, well, you're not doing it right. Because the truth is, is that the benefits are for everyone. They work for everyone. But sometimes we don't see that our benefits are actually going to do anything for us, so we don't put that much stock in them. And so I want, I want to close with this. So this closing statement is, you are anointed with the blessings to give the promise. You can do it. How many people have seen The Water Boy? How many people have seen The Water Boy? There's always the Cajun guy that was out there in the cr crowd and, you know, the water boy character would be up there going, you know, well, my mama said, my mama said, and we're going to win the ball game. And he would go, you can do it like that. Well, God is putting you out there to go, you can do it. You're the Cajun guy. 
that's going to be in the crowd when people are going, I don't know if I can actually do it. And you come along and you give the benefits to people and you scream at them, you can do it. And they walk away and they go, I can do it. This is what God has for me. I can, I can do this. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 1, uh, 15 through 22, it says, And in this confidence, I intend to come to you before that you might have a second benefit. So what was the first benefit? They got saved. They heard about Jesus. But Paul didn't want to just leave them with that. He was like, hey, I'm going to give you a second benefit. I'm not just going to stop with the salvation piece of it because a lot of people get saved. But then a lot of people go, well, I'm just going to live a really bad life until I go to heaven. And God is saying, no, I'm trying to give you life now. And see, this second benefit, when you go look it up in the Greek, this word benefit is charis. It means grace. It is the promises of God. When you go study out this word for charis. I went to charis Bible school. Andrew Womack, he was a grace preacher. But he didn't just go, well, you know, God's just graced us. Have you ever heard of greasy grace? I, you know, maybe y'all haven't heard this, but in some of the circles we ran around and, you know, people would go, well, those people preach greasy grace. And the greasy grace is, is that you can do anything and, and, and act like you want to and God's still going to bless you. Well, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about that God saved us he gave us these benefits, and now we have to live in those benefits. Now, you may be saying, well, hey, I, I believe in grace. I like grace. Grace is a great thing. But see, what we have to understand is, is that if there's no promise, like when, I, if, when y'all got saved, did you just say, I, I'm going to get saved? Or did somebody tell you about Jesus, your mama, your grandmama? your grandfather, a preacher, somebody came to you and said, Jesus is Lord and He died on the cross for your sins and when He died on the cross for your sins, He completely took them away from you. And all you have to do is believe on Him that He is the Son of God and that He died for your sins and now you can be saved. Well, you know what? Without me telling somebody that, Without someone telling you and without me hearing that, see, that was grace. That was the grace of God to hear the benefit of what it was. And then faith is I believe in it. So I have to have grace through faith. Everybody understand that concept? We've got grace, the benefits that come through faith. So if you ever have anybody that says, hey, you got to have faith but you don't believe something yet, then you have no benefit to believe in, so you don't have faith. You have to have grace and then faith. So without these people here in Corinthians, uh, in Corinth, Corinth, whatever their, the term was then, they had not heard about any other benefit other than being saved and being freed from their sin. So Paul says, hey, I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you these other things. But I'm going to, in verse 16, I'm going to pass by your way to Macedonia and come again from Macedonia to you and, by, and be helped by you on my way to Judea. Therefore, when I was planning this, it says, did I do it lightly? So he had... So Paul says, hey, in my own plans, I'm going to go to Macedonia. I'm going to stop by and talk to you. When I come back from Macedonia, I'm going to stop by and I'm going to talk to you. I had a plan to do it. Guess what? He didn't get to do it the way that he wanted to do it. And so it says, therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the thing I planned, do I plan according to the flesh? that with me there should be a yes, yes, and a no, no. In verse 18 it says, But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, 
was not yes and no, but in him was yes. So I want you to understand this. Paul wanted to come by and he wanted to spend time with them and tell them about all the benefits and to do all the different things, but he didn't always get to do that. So his yes, yes, and his no, no's was really maybe, maybe. Right? When we plan something in the flesh, I remember we would go on vacations. Dad would plan all these things that we were going to go do. And then sometimes they worked out. Sometimes they didn't. You know, in our life, we have things that we plan. And there's a, there's a well, if we can get to it. In fact, we actually hedge our bets. I have not really found too many maybes in the Bible. They would either say yes or no. But if they said yes and then no, that was basically a maybe. Eh, we didn't really get to that. And see, what I want you to understand is, is that in our own plans, God will sit there and say, you're not going to be able to do all the things that you plan to do. Every single morning that we do church here, me and mom and, and everybody else, we run around like chickens with our heads cut off. And some mornings in the last month or so, we've, you know, I've been sitting here trying to fiddle with different things, run back there, get things working. So my plan was is that it would be all perfect. And then when y'all walked in, it would be like, wow, y'all are awesome. Woo, look at the way y'all use technology. Oh my gosh, everything is so perfect. And then the next thing you know, oh, well, the PowerPoint doesn't work or I'm not able to hear myself in the monitor or somebody's not able to hear themselves or we're not able to hear out here in the, in the congregation. Do you know that our best laid plans sometimes are going to be a no? But in God, everything is yes, yes. And so when it says here uh, in verse 19, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you, by Silvanus and by and Timothy and me, was not yes and no, but in him it was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ Jesus has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So I want you to understand, Paul originally said, hey, I've got something for you. We preach to you. You got saved. So we're anointed to be able to give you the gospel. Paul comes back the second time and says, now I'm going to include you. It says here in verse 20, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So you have to understand, in verse 21, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ Jesus has anointed us. So he said, me, Timothy, Savanius, we, we were anointed. We knew what to do. We gave you the gospel. Now I'm including you. Because he said, he said, us, you, and then us. See, Paul was wanting people to understand that the blessing and the purposes of God and the benefits were all for everyone. Because what they wanted Paul to do is come and live with them forever. Oh, you're the anointed one. You're the person and we're going to take care of you. You just come in. You stay with us. We'll be with you from now on and we'll just listen at your feet. And Paul's sitting there going, hey, I might, I might not have given you the, the best of all your benefits because you get to have the same exact benefits, the same things that I have. You also have in you. So I'm including you into the same place as Timothy and Savanus and myself. You now are established with us in Christ Jesus anointed with us in God who has been sealed in us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So the first benefit was salvation. We all have to be saved. But see, in the flesh, we might have some maybes and yes, some yes and no's. Do you know that the first time I ever preached to anybody, there was a whole lot of maybes. 
I didn't feel confident about saying what I was supposed to say. In fact, Heather wasn't even confident about what I actually had to say to other people. She came to me and said, you can't ever say that again. <laughs> I would sit there and go, we got renewed in Christ Jesus. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, we became a new creature. That means that I'm wall-to-wall Holy Ghost on the inside of me. One-third of me on the inside is God Himself. Heather goes, you can't tell people that. And I was like, but it's in the Bible. And I felt weird when I said it the first time. But you know what? If we didn't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us when we got saved, then you don't have anything. You would be just like the Old Testament people. They would say, I believe God. But see, the Spirit Himself made intercession and came and changed us on the inside. Well, you know what? After a while, I went from just believing it to where I wasn't like, maybe? But yes, this is for you. I'm including y'all in it. Not just me, but I'm telling you the truth about who you are in Christ Jesus. The reason why we have Identity Church on a sign out here, we were going to be something else. I'm just going to be honest with you. I had names written on a piece of paper and the Lord kept telling me, well, you you teach about people and who they are in Christ Jesus. And I was like, yep. And I would write down, who we are in Christ Jesus Church. I was like, well, that's kind of long and mundane and that's not going to work. And it was like, you know, if I could just teach people about their identity, that would be, be perfect. Be like, well, what, why don't we call it Identity Church? Be like, I don't know about Identity Church. But do you know that every single time that the Lord would put it on my heart about what I was supposed to teach and how I was supposed to go about it, you know, He would put in me and say, no, 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 it's not a maybe. This is a yes. You're not anointed to go teach just on faith or just on grace or just on one of these other things. You're supposed to teach people who they are when they got saved. That's who you are. And you need to put that on your building. This is not Dustin Cornelius Ministries. I ain't got enough good stuff to be able to keep this going, okay? But I can tell you this, that the Lord keeps telling me, keep teaching people about who they are in Christ Jesus and you'll be okay. Not about how good I am. I got news for you. I will run out of stuff if God quits talking to me. Pretty fast. But see, that's what I want you to understand is that He sealed you, He gave you the Spirit, and He put a guarantee in your heart. And you are anointed with that guarantee. You know, as we're closing out today, um, I just want to pray over us because I'm finishing up this, this series. I want to pray over us that we don't have a spirit of fear about prophesying to people. Because sometimes it's scary. It's scary to think about, I've got to go and talk to someone and I've got to go tell them something that the Lord told me to tell them. And you know what? Always have the word to back up whatever you're going to tell someone. Don't have some, you know, we were at a prophecy service years ago and one of my good friends that's a minister friend, he was prophesied over and it was like, you're the woolly bull of the woods. And we all stopped. I mean, everybody was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you. And all of a sudden it was like, the woolly bull, what are we talking about? Do you know that that's not prophecy? Prophecy is giving people their benefits. And you know what? After you've given it to them, unless they want to talk about them, move on. Because people need to be able to absorb it. It's just like I said before, when you go plant a seed in the ground, you go, you open up the dirt, you put the seed... Well, then every day I don't come back and go to the person that I gave that word to and I dig up and go, how much has it grown today? Oh, well, it hasn't. I'm going to cover it back up. You know what? We plant a seed, we move on. 
And then all of a sudden we come back during another season and all of a sudden there's fruit hanging off of them. You see how they're acting. You see the way that they talk. You see the, and you start talking to them. You know that that is the best way. Follow the farmer way of doing this. I put the seed in, I water, I move on. Because if you don't, what you'll do is you'll destroy that seed in somebody's life. Because you'll go and you'll try to, you'll try to go, oh, I got more for you. No, no, no. All I need is one seed when God tells me, and you move on. Everybody bow your head. I'm going to pray over us. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. We just thank you, Father, that you are giving us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind to be able to go forth and to be able to prophesy people's benefits into their life, that we're going to plant these seeds, that we're going to create an opportunity, a God opportunity in people's lives to be able to say, yes, I believe that Jesus has benefits to me. That we're going to put in people the opportunities to create and to flourish and to grow fruit. And that we're going to be led by the Holy Ghost and that we're going to see your word and that we're going to say yes, Father. And I just pray that you're going to give each and every person in here that opportunity this week. That there's going to be people that are going to come their way that they're going to be able to prophesy to, that they're going to give the benefits to these people And that, Father, they're going to see fruit grow in their lives. And they're going to see that they're even going to eat off of their tree. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.